0: For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Neil White. and from Backpage. You're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. This is part two of our Q&A, previewing the new season in Spain. If it's Leo Messi content that you seek, may I suggest you try part one, which is right below this episode on our feed, Right here, we will be looking beyond Barcelona and, yes, even Real Madrid to the other contenders for the honours in Spain this season. Let's hand it over to our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, the guys that support the show and get to ask Pete Jensen and Graham Hunter the questions for these Q&A episodes. Kyle Maguire, hello and thank you for getting involved. Kyle asks, is Atleti going to win it again? Or will someone outside the big three break through? Gentlemen, we are going to sequentially get through the main runners and riders. So let's focus for Kyle on Atleti. Pete Jensen, where are the reigning champions at right now?
2: Well, I think the big question is Suarez. I think he was powered last season by all that rage about having been dumped by Barca and treated so badly. It was it was like a rocket fuel for him. Um Will he have the same motivation? Um, will he be able to produce the same performances without, without, them, without that motivation of proving everybody wrong? Um, if they got Griezmann, it would have been sensational, I think. Um, and with Saul out, who Diego Simeone only uses to fill, the, to fill the gaps in his team, it would have been good business. It's not going to be Griezmann. It's probably going to be Rafa Mir, or at least as we speak, that looks like the closest... Um, he's a huge talent and will benefit from, um, from training alongside Suarez. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and at the other end of the pitch is where I have the question, because I thought last season, particularly playing three centre-backs, they've got quite a shallow pool of centre-backs to play three. Um, and whenever one of Savic, Jimenez and Hermoso was out... They looked like it didn't seem to. It wasn't as smooth. Um, and as, as far as I know, and as we sta- as we stand, they haven't brought in. I think Nguyen's come back from he was on loan at Granada, so that's another possible possible problem. Um, but listen, they've got the, they've got the greatest goalkeeper. Um, they've got the sensational talents of, of, of Llorente. Um Depaul is a fantastic signing. Jal Felix, still, they're still shaking him to wake him up. For, you know, um, He still doesn't look the player that, that, that Atleti fans hoped he would be, but there's plenty of time for him to become that player. Uh, Trippy has stayed, despite all the talk about United. Um, so they go into the season, as much as Simeone will hate it, as the favourites.
3: Yeah, Atleti, uh, Neil, it's so odd to look at a champion that hasn't won back-to-back titles for 70-something years. So... It's an extraordinary challenge for them to do it. That might be an incentive, but to look at a champion that hasn't renewed very much, even in the context of a market which is quite moribund, and to say right across, to just to echo Pete's point about, not just through Suarez, but can all of them be as hungry? Are they built of the stuff as a squad that says more, give us more, we want more? Um, I think the club itself will be desperate that Simeone prioritises getting as far as possible in the Champions League for as much new income as possible. They'll budget for quarter-finals, but if they could go further, that would delight them because of the financial situation. One of the little markers that we need to take... We talked about Rodrigo de Paul, and I know he's changed, but at Valencia, when he was a youngster, I looked at him and I saw Promise, and I haven't watched enough of him to know now that, that... that he's a player that you could on this podcast we could say a vouchsafe that he's going to be a, a real impetus towards the title but Cholo Simeone thinks so I, I even with his capture of Luis Suarez I've rarely seen Simeone as what would you call animated about a signing he wanted this guy he believes he's crucial to them and therefore you know I think they're to be taken seriously they should be they should be top three the thing not to to forget, and 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 United tried their socks off on Trippier, and Trippier wanted to come, but Letty kept asking for, you know, like buyout clause prices because they did not want the, the point I'm making is they did not want to lose him. Simeone was adamant that Trippier was vital. He felt almost as animated about that as as he did on on capturing finally capturing Rodrigo Paul, and that tells you something about how keenly Simeone's looking at where his, his key strengths are. And the the not mid-season, because they were very good in January in the second class. Was it second? No. Sorry, no. The the, the 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 drop in form from Atleti came early spring, let's call it, where they went several games, particularly after losing back-to-back to Levante, where they looked, if not clueless, and certainly rudderless. They looked tired. They didn't look like champions. And they they got muscular towards the end and got over the line because of various different things happening. It was, a, it was a combination of circumstances that made them champion. And I don't think that's going to happen again. So with respect to Kyle and his question about champions, they're in the mix. Um, I think it's a guy that they haven't done it for 70-something years and having already in the, in the last episode tip when it went in the title, I'm going to say it close but no cigar, Kyle.
1: Yes, given that you did tip Barcelona in part one to win the title, I think you're going to be denying several club cigars in the next um, 25 minutes or so. Let's move on. Here's an audio question from Socio Tom Lee.
4: Hi, Graham. Hi, Pete. Tom Lee here with one on the back of the Socio fag packet. Um, Sevilla, seemingly hellbent on signing half of the... Argentine national team and integrating them, that same Argentine national team that have just won major, major, major honours. Lopetegui stays, could have gone to London, maybe. That was a bit of a rumour, was it not? So that's great. Already uh, that wonderful stadium, brilliant, lovely, fantastic, atmospheric Sanchez-Pithuan, especially with the kind of, I guess, the doubts and the question marks about the, the big three, if you like. Could it be, and what I'm really driving at here. Could this be that seriously, honestly, deep down with integrity, could this be their year? Because not just a sort of a bit of a flirt flirt with it at Christmas time and sort of loads of possession outside the box, metaphorically. Have they actually got enough oomph and enough under the bonnet now to go on and win this thing? Because I think it'd be a great story, but stories don't necessarily pay the bills. So be it, yes, no, maybe, somewhere in between. Gracias, gents. Good to have you back.
1: And along similar lines, here's Harrison Schouler. Graham, what do you think Sevilla's chances of winning La Liga are, given how weak Barcelona and Madrid feel? Could it be Lopetegui and Simeone in a title challenge? So, Graham, Harrison's pointing at you. Why don't you say that one first?
3: Harrison Tommy me, boy, you've got the Mr. Angry in me uh, awoken. This should have been their year for the first time since the Second World War ended. Yes, uh, towards the end of last season and during the summer I was talking about Sevilla as dark horses and there's a universe of time left in the transfer market if you're Monchi, but what's been going on? It's it's patently clear where they need reinforcements and Naziri is not enough of a goal threat in his own. It was absolutely imperative last season when they could have won the title and will be this season that they have somebody upon whom you can fundamentally count not just to score 15-16 goals but to score the crucial goals the Vissam goals if you think about his performance against Manchester United away where they turn a good performance into a victory where they sneak with a, a point instead of a defeat somebody who can take the take a different form of, of goal scoring which is probably I mean by that somebody who's a goal poacher when they're high up the pitch rather than their their prominent ability to score from shooting from distance, from counterattacks, from crosses into the box. When Sevilla have a team on the ropes, I want them to be signing somebody who can just unlock things. Now, that comes at a premium, but Munchie is the best in the business. And I genuinely thought that Kunde leaving or not, and generation of cash or not, I genuinely believe that by now Munchie would have shown us, here's the goal straight. Goal scorer that I know we need, and that he'd be in, embedded, that he'd have played some pre-season football. The other disappointing thing for me, even though they've got LaMella as part of the deal in cash, and that clearly, clearly Sevilla feeling like the cats have got the cream with that deal. The loss of Brian Hill from La Liga, even though he was still, you know, an apprentice footballer, you know, that pisses me off because he's a joy to watch. Good luck, Spurs fans. I think I think it's one of those deals whereby, given the needs that Spurs have got, given Brian Hill's age and size, and uh, Seville banked on getting a great deal and then in a year's time getting him back again when he hasn't quite got it because Spurs have gone too soon on the... Uh, I think it's Paratici, the, the ex-Juve man who's the DOF at, at Spurs now, and he's got a good eye, but Brian Hill will need to be given time and patience and he'll need to be... Um, Allowed to to flourish and to learn in England, given that he was on that route anyway in Spain, and and will need more so in the Premier League. He's a gorgeous talent, and I'm going to miss him a lot. But Munchie, 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 what are you? What are you up to, man? Get your finger out. Otherwise, n- neither Tom nor Harrison and their their little delirious rants about Sevilla for the title can have any joy.
2: Yeah, presumably what's holding Munchy up is um, not knowing whether Chelsea are going to cough up for Kunde, and also not being sure about the CVC money and, and, and whether it's coming or not. I mean, I think there are, there are, there are players in the pipeline, they want José as the striker. I don't know if that satisfies Grahams and he's shaking his head at me now. Uh, I'd rather have um, Ben Yedder back than Jose Lu. I'll go with you there, Graham. Um, and they, Montiel's going to come in. Uh, the River, I think he's left-back, isn't he? Uh, no, he's right-back. He's right-back. Augustinson from Bremen on the other side. And Thomas Delaney from Dortmund. So they're the four players that it looks like Monty's going to try and... Bring in um, Binston to see what happens with Koundé. They held out last year, didn't they? City wanted him, and Sevilla didn't give in, and they ended up keeping him. Is it going to be the same? If it's the same, does he has he got the attitude to to, to still have a good season? I think he has. Um, but yeah, I, like Graham, been a little bit underwhelmed because this this is their time, you know. Now is the time to to seize the to seize the opportunity. And yeah, really disappointed that they let Brian Hill go because. Um, he, he's, he's freshness he's he's theirs although he's not severe born but he's they, they've brought him through as it were um, and people say well he wouldn't have played that much but I think you know even as even as an impact player in big games and, and, and getting little runs here and there through the season he just would have given them something else so um, yeah, all to prove after so far underwhelming summer.
1: Next up is Socio Chris Hennigan. Hello, Chris. Um, Chris runs through really the, the entire list of runners and riders, but he mentions two that we haven't covered elsewhere. So, Chris, if you'll allow me, I'll use your question, um, to point the guys towards Vurial and Real Betis. So, I wonder if. In the in the style of a courtroom drama, we could divvy this up. One of you could take Villarreal, one of you could take Real Batiste, allowing the other one a brief rebuttal on on either point. So Pete, why don't we start you off with Villarreal?
2: Yeah, I think I think Villarreal could finish top four this season. I think um I'm excited by the signing of of Dia. I thought he looked good the other night. He's, he's, he, I think he's a good, could be a good foil for, for Gerard Moreno. They've obviously secured Gerard Moreno for the long term future. is still to, to to come back and to improve. Iborra will be massive for them this season. They missed him last season. Kapui's finally settled in, so they have him as well. Um, they've got Mandy in from from Betis, who by the way I think are going to struggle. Um, um, let's get a better season from Estupignan because he was he was disappointing last season and uh, they've got two good goalkeepers great final goalkeepers anyway I think uh, a brilliant the other night and 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 really lost um, in the in the uh, Europa League final so the squad is there for Emery he's one year into it they've got that uh, they've got the tag of never having won anything they've got rid of that um, it's going to be a really big season for them, I think, um, and but, and 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 Moreno as well. The other Moreno, Alberto Moreno, playing higher up the pitch. Which I've always thought, and I know that's I know that's the, the kind of dumb thing to say when there's an attacking fullback who's not great at defending. To say play him higher up the pitch, and nine times out of ten, it's not the solution. But I've always thought with, with Moreno, it, it really could be. He's he's, he's he can be a liability defensively, and he's great in the final third. And although I know he, he went back during the game, and Graham was there and, and he saw the he saw the game in person. I was um, in and out of it, watching it on the telly. So he may be as, an, as another view. But I, I thought Moreno higher up the pitch looked superb. So so I, I'm excited by Villarreal this season, and I think they can definitely finish top four.
1: Graeme, you did get a close look at them during the course of the of the Supercopa in in Belfast. So your thoughts on Villarreal, and then moving into Real Betis for Chris?
3: Yeah, they're 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 really exciting. Um, they have, um, I think, the right mentality. You, you, twice now in recent months. I've watched uh, 2 90 set ninety minute training sessions with Emery, and you, you begin to understand what it is that every talks about. I mean, interventionist like Benitez and Guardiola, his 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 roaring at the players throughout training in terms of minute details that he wants them to change, it, the the way he injects a, an urgency and a demand. I think has, has permeated throughout the club. It's not just about the the first team but Moreno for my taste started you know his career at Seville very much as a wide midfielder winger and then was converted back I couldn't agree more with what Pete was saying about him and and also he's got a combative urgent you know joy about his daily work and training and his football I think he's an important player Uh, I asked Gerard Moreno about the partnership and he said so far so good they don't, they don't, and Dia don't seem to have had, I think, almost any time before the Super Cup um, playing with one another. But the, the particularly the goal and the way that Dia came into the game and, and is patently still to find full match fitness was really exciting. And it needed to be because Paco Alcácer was coming back from his third big injury of a year. And the partnership between him and Gerard should have been great. And it wasn't, it may well be, but baca has gone. Um, yeah, I you know they now need to get Pau Torres a lot of holidays, so we're going to see a couple of months whereby his importance needs to be grabbed by Mandy Foyth is the player that Unai Emery just thinks is is a god that can walk on water. Unai Emery's obsession with Foyth is it needs to have the microscope put on it and in, in this podcast over the coming months because he, he Foyth looked... Um, forceful but, but flawed when I watch them and Emery's got better eyes and he just thinks he can do anything whether it's playing at right back centre half centre midfield which he came into during... anyway, The long and short is I think we'll get entertainment from the yellow submarine really enjoyed uh, watching him and working them the other night Betis, and I now want to hear why Pete thinks they could could struggle, they've done next to no business and my take on it is that Guido needs to stay that's been a real discovery, and he's been coached by Emmanuel Pellegrini into a far better footballer. I think you look across Betis' squad, and there's almost no player that didn't improve in this season under Pellegrini, where uh, the Chilean got his, his mojo back. It, it, it There was no doubt to my mind that this was a product of his ideas, his coaching... It wasn't a product of necessarily the players waking up and saying, well, I enjoy football again, or the brilliance of the signing policy. He he turned them around. They haven't lost Borja, which I think is absolutely fantastic because as as more abundant, as, as joyless as his first set of months were at Betis, for the five months after he started scoring again, the way in which he gave the team purpose and focus was great. But they lost 50 goals last season again, in a season whereby they were a point or two points of finishing fifth. So the second half of the season was absolutely fantastic. Teams very often, if you don't disrupt them, carry, if, they, if they've if got powerful end-of-season form, by which I mean, you know, three, four months, they often carry it into the beginning of the season. There's a European campaign. I had my hopes relatively high um, for them, but they need to, the fact that Mandy's gone and he was by a distance their best defender the fact that Mark Bartra will be playing more because Mandy is gone means that teams are gonna score against them. And and the original question I think from Chris was about teams under Barcelona flourishing because Messi every team that saw Messi not on the team sheet was encouraged. So teams will have a go at Barcelona now more than they ever did before and feel that they can beat them. And if Betis can can reproduce anything close to what they did last season and and really in my opinion finish anywhere
1: in the top eight then Betis will have been satisfied Pete do you want to come back to that because you seem to suggest that you were slightly more pessimistic on Betis
2: yeah I think they're going to have. A t- I think it's going to be tough um, I think Pellegrini did a sensational job last season he's He's a coach that kind of looks languid and, and you know, half interested and, and, and with one eye on retirement. And, you know, it's a bit hot today, lads. Let's just train for three quarters of an hour instead of the hour we were going to do. But actually, it's nothing of the sort. He worked tremendously hard. Graham's already said it. Every single player last season improved under him. He sorted out the defence with very few new resources. Um, but I think that's the key new resources. And it's not always the answer. Uh, you know, you, you can't always say we haven't signed anyone, so we're going to have a terrible season, particularly when they ended the season as well as they did. Um, but they've got Europa League and it's, it's, it's a whole new ball game when you're trying to play an extra competition. We saw what it did to Espanol two seasons ago. Now they haven't gutted the squad the way that Espanol did. Um, but it is extra games. Um, Mandy, as Graham says, their best defender. Emerson, one of their best attackers. They're going to miss him hugely. Um, and I'm just not sure if, if 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 what the club are going to do in what we've now got left of the of the summer market is going to be enough to give Pellegrini the resources to, to to hold their own in the Europa League and to do well in the league. And the fans demand that, and they're back in the stadium, and they will be demanding that. So I think it's going to be a difficult season. But I'm a big Pellegrini fan. I hope he proves me wrong, but. I can see them having, having a tough time.
1: Okay, Chris, I know you're a Betty's fan yourself, so I hope the answer from the guys there on, on your favorites was encouraging. We're gonna take a quick break now. We're gonna come back with our final two questions for this month's Q&A.
0: Selling a little or a lot? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Welcome back. Our last question from a socio comes from Liam Jones. Hi, Liam. Thanks for getting involved. Liam asks... How do you guys rate Real Sociedad's chances this season? Can they spring a surprise and beat Barca this weekend? Well, by the time you guys listen to this, you'll know the answer for the second part. But just in general over the season, how are La Real shaping up, guys?
2: I think they need another striker if they're really going to if they're really going to go for to push on from last season. Um, I, there's no questioning what Isak's possible, what ESAC's capable of but beyond that um, Carlos Fernandez came in and looked a great signing he's going to be out for the whole season um, William Jose is back but he's surely not back to stay so a lot is going to rest on the striker that they're able to bring in um, to finish off all the fantastic moves that we saw last season and we're going to see again this season um, sensational midfield players I love Zubi Mendy I think he's a fantastic player I think in, in a different financial era, Barcelona would have would have snapped him up. Um, I really am a big fan of, of his. Marina likewise both won silver medals, obviously at the Olympics, along with Uyath-Abal. Um It was a joy to watch them last season. There was a massive difference between how they how they how they how they got on without silver and with silver. So let's hope that silver's fit for for all our for all our benefit and for theirs as well. But. So much rests on, on on the striker that they can bring in between now and the window shutting.
3: One of the one of the images of last season was Eminol, Who, I mean, there are, there are cases of managers who who bleed the colours of their club, who feel about the club the way that you know you feel Neil about Falkirk, Pete does about Pompey, and and Eminol is one of them. He's the guy who, when he came in to coach them the first time. To save them, get gave it up and moved back down into the nursery team because he just he was scared that he wasn't up to it because, you know, it's it's a club that he literally loves, and the image of last season <laughs> taking the press conference after winning the cup, in a Churier dean's strip and his muscly arms and his roar and it wasn't, you know, there was no artifice about it. There's no PR about it. He was just a downright out... Out just out and out, Relse was dad, nutter singing and 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 weeping and it was just it was it was and he's got this sort of knobbly gnarled sort of Tolkien face with a huge Adam's apple and he, he was wearing a strip over something and I think he had a well if he didn't have bobber boots and a scarf tied to his, his wrist, that's the way I'd like to imagine it anyway. It was just and I think that the microscope's on him a little bit because you know, if you take everything that, that Pete said and doesn't need repeating, um, then Liam, oh yeah, Thabal is, 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 is beyond just a good player and a, and a leader and a, and a captain for them, but he's, he's in another goal supply. He dictates the, the, the way they play a lot. He's played all summer. I, I, one of the things that you've exposed is that I think we're, you know, we're, we're learning something new about football all the time. This, the, the concept of the perma-fit footballer has been established for a few seasons because of the change in diets, the change in rehab, the, the, the degree to which we allow them to rest. You know, all sort of grannies like me, I'm genuinely perturbed about what we're doing to our footballers. Genuinely perturbed that wherever they turn, there's a new demand, usually physical rather than marketing. They're asked to take, to have less sleep because they're travelling more. They're asked to 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 train, okay, not maybe not more, but be on the training ground more, but sometimes it's just, you know, they, they keep them ticking over rather than training. They, they're asked to play year round with very little time to switch off mentally, more than has ever been the case before. And and now you don't get the ebb and flow of slim footballers, fat footballers, like you used to when the three, the three of us are slightly different ages, but each of us saw footballers who came back you know, a stone overweight during the summer because they just lived it up and then sweated it out and ran it off and, and got on with it again. That's that's so long gone now that you try and tell some youngsters or some players about that and they'll just laugh at your face they wouldn't understand the concept. So perma-fit footballers have been with us for a while, but for those that play 11 and a half months of the season, I, I think we're in a new territory on that. And, Let's see how wear and tear and and mental degradation... We're not talking about Athletic, but we are talking about a club across the Basque, Tierra Basca, that Inigo Martínez, ex-Real Sociedad, now Athletic, said, I'm not going to the Euro because mentally I'm just worn out. I'm I'm not fit for it. I can't... You know, I couldn't do justice to myself. So how is that going to leave Oya Thabal and and Pau Torres and Pedri? And emanola has got... Quite significant problems to cope with. Three of them: one, a huge expectation having won the cup, can we win it again? Can we finally get into the senior European places? People will be asking, can they finish top four? They can't. The second piece of pressure that's on them is this process of having youth talent coming through is is it's enriching. Javier Alonso is in charge of a promoted uh, youth B team, and. The first team has been sprinkled with products from their own academy for some time now. And the pressure grows on you to say, are they developing? Can they cut the mustard? Can they keep on doing big things or not? That pressure's on them. And I think that the pressure is on them now to make the team better without, as Pete pointed out, really much in terms of, uh, so far, with the transfer market still to close, the, the, the goal-scoring additions that they, that they keenly need. So, I in all... Uh, right now, we'll be looking at the new season with his typical, we are Real Sociedad, we're going to destroy everybody attitude. But they have serious challenges. And, and they're, of all the clubs we've talked about so far, they're the one that I'd, I'd rather speak about again in early September when the market is closed. Because they don't need to do massive business, but it's patently clear that they do need to do business. And, and I only want to emphasise Carlos Fernandez, Carlos Fernandez's absence is, is horrific because he was ready to explode. He looked exceptional when he played last season. He was exactly what they needed. They spent a decent chunk of money on him. And for the fact that it's a, it's a knee injury, I think, isn't it? I think at least that's. So for him to be out for so many months is horrific for La Real. And um, Liam, I wish that I could top off what Pete was saying with a little bit more optimism. But I think they've got a really tough struggle for two, three months to cope with um, the lack of movement in the transfer market and, and the fact that we have to wait and see what, what Nick Oyathabal's in.
2: And we should just quickly say that um, Ole Los Huevos of uh, Eden Hazard, who of course in his first season at Real Madrid did do the old school thing of having a good old summer and then turning up a little bit uh, <laughs> and then just think, I'll run it off in the first few friendlies.
3: <laughs> and and everything went right for him thereafter Absolutely as well. So perfect, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Huevos.
1: Okay, let's wrap things up with a final question from our sponsors at Bet365, who ask, In the five years between 2014 and 2018, La Liga had 11 Champions League and Europa League finalists with nine winners. The last three years, they've had two finalists, albeit both winners. Is La Liga's European dominance over? Now, gentlemen, we did touch on similar themes in the first part of this month's Q&A. So I wonder if we could use this question from our sponsors at Bet365 to get towards a prediction for not just the La Liga title, but for the two major European competitions this season. So let's start with Pete Jensen.
2: Well, it's the, it's the thing that Atleti want, isn't it? I mean, they also want a consecutive league title. Of course, that goes without saying. Um, can they do it? You just can't see beyond PSG in the Champions League. Um, you know, I thought they were going to win it last season, and Messi's—he's he's gone there to win it. So it's very hard to see to see beyond PSG in the Champions League. Um, and in terms of the Europa League, you'd say that if Villarreal and Sevilla were to drop out of the Champions League and fall back into that, then then once again those two, you know, would be very 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 strong in, in that particular competition. And who knows if Barça do struggle in the league and the Champions League becomes a sort of escape valve for them um, and they get away from the misery sort of thing um, then you know maybe they'll surprise some people in that competition but I I, I really can't see beyond Messi getting what he deserves which is a fifth or a fourth if you don't count Paris Champions League
1: So we have you down for I just want to make sure that you guys give me something that I can throw back at you in May So we have PSG Pete for the Champions League Mm -hmm. La Liga
2: uh, to win La Liga to win La Liga oh I'm sorry I didn't understand the question Real Madrid I think Real Madrid will win the league Madrid for the league PSG for the Champions
1: League and you're one pick for the Europa if you had to
2: and if Sevilla and Villarreal drop into it then they can win it
1: that's two teams
2: <laughs> okay let's say Sevilla back in, back on familiar territory there we are
1: Graham.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm grateful to 365 for bringing um, Aberdeen and the, the, Europa, the European Conference League into, into play and yes, I, I think there's a firm chance that the dandies, mighty dandies become the only team in Scotland not just with two European stars, but three
2: Are yeah, they going to get a full star if they win the, Euro, the conference?
3: Have you ever heard of Luca Brazzi and where he sleeps? Okay. Just don't put your hand on the bar when you're near me, okay? Because that's no. how it all begins with the stiletto. <laughs> so Carabag are, are dead meat. Um, we're going through the group stage and we're going to win the Conference League. Bet365's question needs to be answered correctly, Neil. Um, yes. Spain's ultra-dominance of the European competitions is going to diminish. But it was, even in terms of how England used to dominate the European Cup, it was abnormal. I think we've lived through a reign where... Um, during that time, well, just outside the time frame they mentioned, uh, Barca won two trebles. You know, The treble used to be a very rare thing. I think it's going to be more common now. Um, Real Madrid winning three Champions Leagues back-to-back for the first time since somebody did that. Bayern did that, finishing against San Etienne at Hamden in 76, I think. So, yeah, we, just like Spain winning three straight international tournaments came to an end... These things have to be cyclical. I think the stranglehold that Spain has held on European football, if you combine the clubs, the under-17s, under-19s, under-21s, the senior side, even the Olympics there, is, is extraordinary. And it won't go away, but diminish, yes. I think it's a fair answer to our sponsors that there there, there, there is a diminution because in, in club terms, three particularly three clubs are spending beyond belief and Bayern Munich have consistently uh planned well and and spend more money they've broken their financial structure some years ago now but it was so strict that it was hamstringing them now it's not so you want to know um winners um you can't handle the winners uh yeah it's 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 less it's more daring than it might seem to talk about par Saint Germain as as treble winners because we haven't seen how the pieces fit Ramos isn't going to be fit for, to, to play for possibly several weeks um, if not now and also Mbappe hasn't guaranteed that he's staying so the market isn't closed yet if Mbappe goes I think it, it changes things a little bit I think the most fearsome thing is that they are well coached um, their squad is deep they've come closer and closer um, to winning the Champions League in my opinion and therefore, if you have a front trio of Mbappe on the left and Messi on the right and Neymar as a sort of false nine and you've got goals from midfield and you've got Cardi as a backup striker, they, they should win the treble. Um, so I'm going to take a little bit of a risk and say, yes, it's um, Paris Saint-Germain for the Champions League. Um, I'm going to back Pete's idea in Sevilla to win the Europa League and Aberdeen is obvious winners of the Conference League.
1: Up my dandies. And that completes our offering to you for this month's Q&A. I do hope you enjoyed it. Pete Jensen and Graham Hunter, thank you very much for your expertise and time. Thank you, dear listener, and enjoy your football.